from the EPR studios. This is the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition. Coming to you after the Louisville game, and uh, a game that Florida State actually won. And uh, won, actually, in a... You know, by by what came out to be a reasonably comfortable margin in the end of things, even though it didn't look like it would be that, and the game didn't turn out in many ways. Uh, it didn't look the way that I thought it would in terms of the middle middle portion of it. But uh, you know, this is how I wrap the the preview show. Absent some serious turnover issues or some quick change stuff, I think it'll be difficult for for Louisville to score more than more than twenty four, even with the way that the defense has. Uh, has been soft at times, and I think the offense will go over 30. So, I, I, again, I think this is one of those where you put about 70% odds on Florida State to win it, and like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, with 37 to 24 as my final projection. Well, that's how we wrap the, the preview show, and all told, that came out awfully well. Uh, it just, you know, a lot of the details were unforeseeable, and uh, unfortunately, uh, some some pretty uh, frustrating details coming out of, out about uh, out of this game as well. I mean, it was, uh, it was really sad for me to see uh, Jaden Woodby, for example, going down. Uh, you know, that's a guy who has so much respect in that building and uh, around the program because uh, of how he goes about his business. You know, he's, he's, he's a pro about how he does things and uh, one of the really good guys in that program. And uh, just watched watched that uh, the knee that knee and and leg uh, move in a way on that replay that uh, you know the leg is not designed to go and uh, didn't look good and really feel for that and um, you know pretty devastated actually about that I mean that's I, I hate seeing injuries uh, to anybody but that one was one that um, that that was especially ugly and given, uh, given who it was to. And, uh, and again, uh, his value in the program and, and just, uh, his value as a, uh, as a human being in the program is a, it, you know, it's a, that's a, a pretty big blow and that's going to impact the, the team pretty significantly moving forward. I mean, they, they, um, the, the move that they made moving, uh, Warner inside and moving would be outside very clearly worked. Uh, both guys looked much more comfortable. Warner actually, uh, in the first half, a couple times came up and uh, as it, and performed as a thumper in a way that we haven't seen a Florida State linebacker really do all year. And it was like, wow, um, where where's that been? Oh, that's been outside at outside backer. He just looked a lot more comfortable there and would be looked so much more comfortable on the edge, made some plays out there as well. And um, then that happens, and that's going to really uh, affect the defense. That's going to impact the defense down the line. I mean, you've got – two of your best players and and really your two best edge players, Kando and uh and Lars Woodby that are now uh that are now out for the season. And that's that's gonna be a, a big deal. And then you had James Blackman as well go down with a knee injury and not return. And uh, it's another one that they're not sure at this point whether that's gonna be season ending, but it's entirely possible that it is. Uh and he's gonna have to have a, have an MRI as well. I don't know what the results of that are going to be, but um you know that also would be uh, an awfully big deal for Florida State. Uh, that said, James, do I make you horny? Brooke really came in and played played good football, and um, you know he the, apparently what I was told from camp really uh, 
it manifested itself. He looked more comfortable in the offense than Blackman has, even though Blackman played well in this game. And actually, I thought mechanically looked a little better than last week. He kept his uh, his cleats in the ground, made some uh, routine throws look routine the way that he should. Uh, looking at his numbers on the game right now, uh, you know, actually a pretty good performance. 11 of 14, only 127 yards, but 11 of 14 took two sacks. Uh, at least one of them wasn't his fault. The other one, I, I'm not sure actually on the play that he uh, got hurt on. I'm not sure whether that was his fault. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that might've been a give read. Uh, but in any case, uh, you know, I thought he played pretty well and threw it pretty well threw it the best he's thrown it all year in terms of, um, of consistency, especially on the bunnies and, uh, and played well. Now, Hornybrook 15 of 20 for 255, two touchdowns, even better. Uh, and, and like I said, he looked more comfortable in the offense than Blackman has, in particular, making quick decisions. And that's basically what I'd been told coming out of camp. It was something that we talked about uh, on the uh, in the season preview, that uh, he looked more comfortable, that he was getting the ball out more quickly uh, in general, and the offense was moving a little more smoothly with him. But it wasn't by enough to really make it so that you clearly go with him over the, the obvious team leader. Uh, and, and Blackman does bring some intangibles to the table that, that really Hornybrook doesn't. And, uh, so, you know, it, it, we'll see what, what, what happens going forward. Obviously if Blackman is healthy, he hasn't done anything to lose the job and you would expect that he's the, he's the starter, but you do want to start giving, uh, Hornybrook more opportunities to, get in the game and, and potentially take that job over the course of the season uh, and, and be ready and basically treat it as one of those that if, if he starts moving the ball better than Blackman does, particularly after the offense stalls out in the, after its first quarter onslaught. And actually, I mean, let's, let's just stream a consciousness. This is there a better first quarter team in the country than Florida state? I mean, this team's not, not played great on the year, but, who 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 would you put who would you uh how many teams would you bet to beat Florida State in the first quarter of games this year not many <laughs> i mean they'll they'll give just about anybody clemson alabama georgia those teams they'll give them a run for their money for a quarter but then man they just really do seem to to run out of steam and and to find all sorts of ways to step on themselves and and get in uh, get into into difficult spots and and not be able to convert drives and not get stop getting the kinds of stops that they did, but um, but yeah, I mean they as the offense starts to bog down, you know, if you do start Blackman, then yeah, maybe it's a good idea after they've scored their twenty one and and now you're on drive five and you haven't had anything for a couple drives, stick Hornybrook in there and maybe it's quarter quarter number one all over again. Uh, you know, there's any number of ways of taking that, but, uh, but yeah, I think I do think that you're going to need to see both quarterbacks if uh, Blackman is is actually healthy, and if he's not, well, that is especially that's even more unfortunate than just losing Lars Woodby. You're losing another uh, team leader and another guy that uh, that you know you you expect to be there and a guy that can that can play. So um, yeah, this is. This could be could end up being a very pyrrhic victory for Florida State, losing uh, losing two guys if both those guys are out for the season. I mean, I'm confident uh, Lars Woodby is, but um, Blackman again will remains to be seen. But it could be one of those victories that you 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 end up losing a couple games later in the year because you 
lost those players during the game. And uh, I had a lot of questions about, you know, what do you do at that star position, at that outside backer position that Lars Woodby just moved to this week? What do you do? And quite honestly, I don't know. Um, we saw Josh Brown in there some there, and he didn't play badly, but he, again, he's not the same kind of fluid player in space that, uh, that Lars Woodby is, brings a very different dynamic there. Uh, you know, you see Amari Gaynor in there some, perhaps, but, you know, you've, he's got to play both edges at times. Uh, you know, it depends on how far along some of the young guys are. And maybe, maybe a Kevon Glenn or, or uh, uh, one of the other young, young linebackers uh, gets, gets, some, gets some time there because you really you can't go to, uh, to Kalon Brooks there and, and expect that to really work. So I, I really don't know. I mean, one thing that might, might be worth looking at is whether or not a guy like uh, Hamza Nasiruddin is, is able to, to step down and, and play a little bit at that at that role, particularly when you're playing against spread teams, maybe you put him down uh, at that at more of a star position and, and put another safety on the field. I mean, that's another option. He certainly can play in the box, uh, but he's been playing so dang well at his spot all year that you know. Do you really want to make that make that switch? That's um, yeah, that, that puts him in a pretty pretty bad spot there uh, in a in a place where they they just figured out where their, how their personnel was, was, was working out. Um, but overall, I mean, in terms of the, the game, the, the play on the field in this game uh, through the first half, that was the best Florida state's defense has played all season. I mean, you look at this drive chart and first of all, there were 20, 28 total drives in the game, including the, the end of half and end of uh, end of game drives. That's on Florida state's pace. I said during, uh, during the, uh, the preview that I thought, if Florida State played aggressively defensively, that they'd probably get 14 offensive drives in this game, and that's exactly what they got. And it's because what they did is they came out and they played. Florida State did in defensively what I wanted them to do all season. And what I talked in the preview podcast of this episode, saying, listen, if they don't come out and do this this episode, I'm done. Well, they came out and they did it. They came out and they pressed. They came out and they lined up, you know, at times... 11 guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, you know, within, you know, not even nine or eight yards of the line of scrimmage and demanded, forced, dared Louisville to win over top. And Louisville got one and it was, a, a you know, a bobbled catch, one that uh, Asante Samuel Jr. just barely missed getting a hand on. I mean, it wasn't bad coverage, but sometimes you're going to give one of those up. The thing is, you've got to be willing to give that play up in order to get those three and outs that they got in this game, because you look at how Louisville started this game and first drive, they had three plays and they, and uh, they, they punted next drive. They had 10 plays moved at 35 yards. Still that's too long of a drive, but then down on downs turned over on downs. Then a minute 30 punt. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a nice quick three and out. Then a two minute three and out. Then a two minute, then a, then a fifty nine second three and out. And then they had their six minute touchdown drive at the end of the half. And that was one where I don't know what happened there. I need to go back and look at what what changed. But I mean, this is a pretty good way to start the start the game. Three play or three and out. Ten plays for thirty five yards. Turnover on downs. Then three and out. Three and out. Three and out. You do that, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna win a lot of football games. Now, 16 plays for 66 yards at the end of the half. 
I, I mean, it maybe, and I don't know whether this is the case. It, like I said, I need to go back and take a look at the at the actual film. But maybe they maybe they loosened up a little bit in terms of what they what they were doing in terms of it being an end of half type of drive, playing a little more conservatively. But I don't really remember that being the case as they were doing it. Came out first drive of the second half, three and out, and then they had that stretch in the middle of the third quarter where they went eight plays, 53 yards, field goal, seven plays, 76 yards, touchdown, three plays, 85 yards, and that's the long, long touchdown. The middle two of those, the, the field goal and the touchdown, where you've got eight plays and seven plays, that's where they got to get better. And then they were on a, a seven-play, 45-yard drive down into the red zone that was also a problem. And that, that one ended in an interception. But if they score there, that, that, this game may have a different outcome. And it was finally... They, they got that interception, a key, key play, just a poor throw, uh, but the coverage was there. And then they finally got another three and out uh, with that second drive of the fourth quarter. But they've really got to be, find a way to be more consistent in terms of bringing that kind of attitude because so much of what we saw that was different in the first and second quarters was attitude of just really crowding the line of scrimmage and playing just hard-nosed team defense getting to the football and tackling and you know the just the the fundamentals and the discipline of uh of of playing good good defensive football and then that kind of tailed off and I do wonder whether the loss of of Lars would be there had an impact just on the psyche of the defense and you know they had to find themselves a little bit after that now offensively they got the ball First drive, uh, they went eight plays, 36 yards, turned it over on downs. Then eight plays, 73 yards, two plays, 61, or eight plays, 73 yards, touchdown, two plays, 61 yards, touchdown, four plays, 39 yards, touchdown. And then you get an ugly stretch. Three plays, punt, nine plays, missed field goal, six plays, missed punt, six plays, or six missed field goal, six plays, punt. Nine plays, miss field goal, four plays, punt, three plays, punt. And then finally, at the end of the game, six plays, touchdown, 10 plays, touchdown. That's how things should. I mean, there was really, it was just a little bit of a comedy of errors on offense through that stretch. But it's really funny that you look at this this drive chart is funny. You go touchdown, 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 and then punt, miss field goal, miss field goal, punt, miss field goal, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown. It's like a sandwich. And you know what's in the middle. (laughs) But that's that's kind of the problem with how they've played all year. Of they come out just guns blazing and then bog down and they've bogged down again. And that you can't do that. You've got to find a way to keep your focus. You've got to find a way as a coordinator to make sure that you're still uh I don't know if they're tipping or if they're getting a little predictable there, but you've you've got to find a way to get to get to where you you're keeping that defense a little bit more off balance in the middle of the game and finding ways to do that. But this, the thing is, this was a positive thing for Florida state overall in that this was a movie we've all seen before. I mean, it was like the fourth sequel of a bad movie franchise in terms of start out really well and then just tail off and look like you're going to lose the game. And it looked to me, by the way, like Aguayo's, uh, uh, steps were off in terms of his angles there. He was, I think he was, uh, his, his angle of approach to the ball was a little bit off, but uh, again, I'd need to look at that again uh, a little bit more closely, 
but um, it's easy to happen for a kicker, even at that level. It's something that I worked with my kickers on uh, when I was when I was coaching kickers periodically. Is you, you've got to make sure that your angles, particularly from the hash, don't get off because it's really easy. But um, but anyway, uh, what they were able to do at the end was they were able to recover and go touchdown, touchdown at the end. And you know th- those did coincide with uh, with Hornybrook getting in there and 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 really playing well down the stretch and. Uh, and, and the thing with him is he he did a really good job of being decisive and taking what the defense gave him on the RPOs and taking what and, and if it wasn't there downfield on some things, checking the ball down really quickly and not holding on to the ball. And, you know, in some other cases where there wasn't a check down option, just getting out of there and just getting a positive, positive play. Just the decisiveness was, I think, what what really helped in those cases. And that's something that moving forward, I think. Uh, is a good thing. But looking overall at the numbers, I mean, seven yards per play against the Louisville defense. I mean, that's not a really good defense, but that exceeds what I thought they'd do. I thought it'd be around six offense or the defense gave up 5.5 yards a play. Most of that uh, difference, I thought they'd give up around five. That extra half yard basically came on one play, that one long, long play over the top. And honestly, again, I'm willing to give that up in order to get some of the extra aggression and crowd in the line of scrimmage. And this was by far the best that the front seven has played and really the best that the whole defense has played all year. I mean, I saw communication in the secondary at different points, passing off routes and mesh actually matching correctly at the linebacker position and communicating with the, with, with the safeties. We haven't seen that all year. We still saw some busts in the secondary. Saw, you know, a post wheel combination where the, Corner chase to post again, and you got the wheel coming wide open. You can't have that keep happening every game, or teams are going to continue to go to that well every time they need to play. And well, that's it's it's smart to go to that, keep going to that well because it works. But um, overall, this was a pretty good uh, a pretty good uh, pretty good win for Florida State. It's a win that they needed. It certainly doesn't mean that everything's fixed. I mean, some of the clock management at different points was was poor. Uh, watching uh, Tamori and Terry on that uh, 60-yard pass where he came wide open and uh, scored it and scored it uh, as a go-ahead score in the fourth quarter. Watching him taunt the Louisville safety who was coming over. I I tell you what, he would be running stadiums until he puked if I were the uh, were the uh, receivers coach at Florida state. And I know Ron Dugans isn't going to like that very much. Uh, because again, if, if the official had, had gone by the book there, that's a penalty, 15 yard penalty from the spot, no touchdown. And, you know, there's a lot of selfish play still on this team. And Terry's one of those guys, honestly, that I, I have to call out. I mean, putting in the, putting on the scary Terry mask on the sideline and taunting guys and, you know, being a bit of a prima donna about blocking on the edge at different points. I mean, you've got to you've got to change that culture. Uh, I mean, to taunt a guy when you came open because of a bust. I mean, it's not like you mossed him, but yeah. So some of those things continue to rub me wrong. Uh, a couple things, you know, again in, in terms of clock management uh, at the end of the at the end of the half, also frustrating. Uh, you know, still some things that that need cleaned up, but this is one you can build off of because when the movie started replaying, they were able to right the ship and get things uh, get things fixed and actually score second half points. 
So yeah, you can build on that. We'll see. We'll see where they go next week. We'll have a, a, a preview of uh, NC state later in the week, but NC state is better than Louisville. They're better up front on both sides of the ball. And uh, they've had, you know, they're, they're many years into the, into that system though. They, they have changed some things offensively with a new coordinator uh, and a new offensive line coach, more of a gap scheme this year, but we'll talk about that later in the week. I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, Patreon uh, film session on Sunday night. So those of you who are subscribers uh, above the appropriate level can join for uh, for that uh, for that live, and then it'll be posted on Monday, and then we'll uh, go ahead and get forward with the week. But beyond that, not really a whole lot to say in this game. Uh, other than it's amazing what happens when you actually play team football and when you scheme correctly for your strengths and for uh, the way that your offense and defense mesh, you end up with uh, with better results. And uh, hopefully that's a, a better indicator of where things are, uh, are going to go moving forward. As always, want to thank my three sponsors, EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Garage Makeovers. Also want to thank those patrons above the bleach number level, uh, which is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and Bert Bertoldi. Very grateful for all of your support. Uh, definitely helps this podcast move forward. We'll be back again for the film session on Sunday night. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. I made this.